person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Barnardot Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. Our scripture today comes from Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 28. After he'd said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And we'd come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. And as he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in, he peace in heaven and glory to God in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Let me tell you about one of the biggest disappointments in my life. When Sarah Beth and I, early in our marriage, uh, we lived in Kentucky going to seminary. When we would visit my mom and dad in Knoxville, we would drive south on I-75 and about 20 or 30 miles outside of my parents' house there was a store called the As Seen on TV store. And every time we passed that store, I thought, we should go in there. I just had imagined all the stuff that I would find there. I thought I would maybe get me a ShamWow. Uh, I really, I was going to go get a Floby. That's what I really wanted, was a Floby. But, you know, I, I watch TV, and all these On Seen on TV commercials. Uh, man, like... Just being able to hold one of those products in my hand and look at it myself and see, are these really as good as the people on TV say? So one of the day we were visiting my parents and we had a little extra time. I said, we're going to stop at the As Seen on TV store. We went in there and y'all, it was nothing. There was nothing. I can't even tell you what was there because it was so bad. There was not a ShamWow. There was not a Floby. There was not, I mean, like nothing that you see on TV was on the As Seen on TV store. There were like little, some little kitchen appliances, but not even the ones that I would have remembered seeing on TV. It was, I mean, like, I don't want to like overstate things. It was devastating. It was disappointing. I'm just kidding. I mean, it wasn't that bad. But disappointment happens when our expectations don't match up with the reality that we experience. The higher the expectation, the greater the disappointment when it doesn't live up. 
If you're expecting ShamWows and Flobies and get just a bunch of garbage at the As Seen on TV store, which isn't there anymore, by the way, they closed shop, then the disappointment's high. But if you go in with your expectations low, then the, the, and it doesn't match up, well, then it's not that big of a disappointment. So it, it, disappointment happens when the, the wider the gap between the expectation and the reality, the greater disappointment there is. And I kind of wonder if the people waving the palm branches on Palm Sunday, welcoming Jesus in, were setting their expectations in a way that led them to disappointment later. Because they expected a king. That much is clear. I mean, you could just see it all over this passage. First of all, cloaks being put on the ground was a sign of worship. It was a sign of respect. They did not mass produce cloaks back in the day. Right? They, they didn't mass produce those. You couldn't just go to the Walmart, the, the ancient Near Eastern Walmart, and buy yourself a new cloak. If you spread your cloak on the ground for someone coming in and that donkey walked on it or did something worse on it, then you can't just put it in a washing machine and you can't just go out and buy a new one. Your cloak is ruined. you got to go and make yourself or have a new cloak made for you. So, so putting your cloak on the ground is a tremendous sign of respect and worship. This is the sort of thing that they would do for a king that had gone away to war and come back victorious. Likewise, not just anybody could commandeer a donkey. You know, when you watch a police show and, and the police is chasing someone on foot and that person gets in the car, the policeman runs up, puts his badge on the window and says, police, I need your car. And then they get up and wreck the car. Inevitably. Um, you can't just do that for, for anybody. Not just anybody can commandeer a donkey. If you go up to someone and say, I'm going to take your donkey, they would say, no, you can't just take my donkey. But, and this is why they go through this whole thing. Well, what are we supposed to say? They're not going to just let us take a donkey. The Lord needs it. Your king requires this of you. You have to have the badge in order to commandeer the donkey. And Jesus had the badge. They, they thought, the king needs my donkey. Palm branches were a sign of worship. The word Hosanna literally means save us. Save us. The people of Jerusalem were tired of being under the thumb of the Roman government. And they wanted to be saved from that. And here comes Jesus, this man that they've heard about, who has done miracles, who's raised people from the dead, who's healed the blind. He's got power behind him and they know it he's got God on his side and they know it if anybody's going to save them from Rome it's Jesus so they're, they're throwing their cloaks on the ground and they don't care if they get them back or not they're asking him to save him they're giving up their property their donkey so that he can have the kind of entrance that a conquering king requires but they probably forgot Zechariah, 
9.9. If you'll flip over to there. You'll have to use your pew Bible because I forgot to tell Debbie to put it in the bulletin. Zechariah 9.9. The, the coming ruler of God's people is what this is called. It's a prophecy of the coming Messiah. And it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he. Humble and riding on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. Humble being the key word. They're over here welcoming him as a ruler, but they don't realize he's the, the prophesied Messiah, supposed to be a humble king, coming to bring peace to the nations, not war. And so Jesus was welcomed into Jerusalem as a conquering king. When a conquering king comes in, the people go out of the city to meet him and they escort him in. They really expected Jesus to rescue them from Roman oppression. And they weren't wrong to want this, right? They weren't wrong to want to be out of the thumb of Rome, a, a pagan king. They weren't wrong to want that or to expect it from a Messiah. I mean, it's, it's reasonable. God had done this from them before. Their God rescued them from the Egyptians out of slavery. God saved them from all kinds of people who would come. And God rescued them from Babylonian captivity and restored their homeland. God had done it before. And so they figured if the Messiah is coming, the prophesied Messiah is coming, if God's done all of this stuff without him, well, think about what God's going to do with him. Boy, he's going to rescue us big time. But, of course, we know that Jesus did not overthrow the government. In fact, he was killed by the government. And I wonder how many worshipers outside of Jerusalem that day faced a bitter disappointment. Because the salvation that Jesus came to Jerusalem to accomplish didn't look like the salvation that they were looking for. Their expectations were in one place, and the reality they got was in a completely different place. And I'd wager that that led to some disappointment among many of them. However, this disappointment came because they just couldn't imagine the better kind of salvation that Jesus had in store for his people. When reality of what we expect Jesus to do doesn't match up with our expectations, the problem is not Jesus the problem is our expectations of Jesus. Just because Jesus didn't save them the way that they expected, it doesn't mean that he didn't come to save them. Their worship of him was right, it was good, and it was necessary. Because even though they didn't know it, their cries of Hosanna were answered. Jesus did come to save them. The Jewish people needed rescuing from Rome, but Jesus had bigger plans that involved rescue of the entire world, the restoration of the whole world to his kingdom. He didn't come to save them from that particular need of being free from Rome, but he was saving them in the way that they most needed, but did not recognize a salvation from sin and a restoration into the world that God created it to be. 
Have you ever tried to help someone who is struggling with addiction? It's really frustrating, y'all. Remember there was a time where there was a person I was connected with who struggled with addiction and, and he came to me for help and it was usually some form of financial help. And it's just like, if I can just give him a little money, it would be okay. Just a little more money. And then he could get across this hump and then be okay. And then, of course, the next day there would be another hump that would need another amount of money. And another crisis would come and just a few more dollars and then everything would be okay. He did not need the help of the money. What he needed was help to get sober. He needed the help of being connected to a 12-step program. But when he just couldn't see it. And so when I tried to give him the help that he really needed, he got mad because his expectations weren't met. His expectations were that he would get money out of me. But when he got the real help that he really needed, he just couldn't see. He got defensive or upset. And then I wouldn't hear from him, hear from him for a while. He'd kind of disappear and then turn up again when there was another big crisis. And the thing was, I cared for this guy. I wanted to help him. But I knew that if I helped him in the way he was asking me to help, it wouldn't turn out well. <laughs> that help wouldn't stick. He needed the kind of help that he didn't know he wanted. It can be the same for us too. Maybe Jesus is looking to save us in ways that we're not asking for. Maybe we need Jesus to save us in ways that we don't know we need saving, but he knows better than we do. His ways are higher than our ways. And it's so natural in times like this, anxious times, to come to God asking for help in whatever the current crisis the world is in. There's a lot in the world right now that we need to be rescued from, isn't there? We can call, we can cry out to God asking prayer to be rescued from the situation in the world. Think about Ukraine still. We can cry out to God asking him to just take away COVID and all the implications of the past few years and reset things the way they were. We can ask God to rescue us from the, the crisis of hatred in our world and, and this horrible division that's plaguing us. And it's okay to ask for that stuff. We should be asking for that stuff. But the thing is, we don't need to limit God to that stuff. Because we might receive some different kind of help from God, some different kind of salvation. God might have something different in store for us that we did not even know to ask for. And if we spend our time being disappointed in the help we didn't get, we might not recognize the help that we do get. If we spend all of our time setting up expectations for what Jesus needs to do and then Jesus doesn't look like what we think he should look like, we're going to miss the work of God, even if it's happening right in front of us, just because it doesn't meet our very specific expectations. This year, we come to church asking Hosanna again. We're asking God to save us. We need help, and that's okay. The people knew they needed a king in Jesus, and they were right. He was their king. 
They were right to ask him to save them. They were right to ask for help. They were right to honor them, him in all the ways they did. They were right to have high expectations of Jesus. Their expectations were high. They were just in the wrong place. So we might come to worship today asking for a miracle. But we cannot be upset if the miracle we receive doesn't look like what we expect. Just because the salvation and help that Jesus brings us is what we need the most. Not always what we want the most. So my question for us today is, what are we expecting Jesus to do this Holy Week? What do we expect Jesus, what, how do we expect him to move? Do we expect him to move? Or, or are we just not even expecting Jesus to work in power in our lives? Because that's a different problem altogether. Are you expecting him to magically cure the world of all the world's problems? I don't know. I just know that after the past two years of having Holy Week with an asterisk, doesn't it feel like we've had Easter with an asterisk for the past couple of years? We're online or we're apart or we're taking all these kind of precautions. This is the year that we get to have Holy Week without the asterisk again, and it feels good. And so let's expect God to do something special this Holy Week. It's not just about getting together. It's about what the Spirit of God is trying to teach us, but what the Spirit of God is trying to lead us to during this Holy Week. What if we went into Holy Week this year expecting great things from God and then letting Him decide what those great things are going to be? What if we expected the Holy Spirit to show up in power during our times of private worship at home? What if we expected the Holy Spirit to show up in power at church as we go through these services? Jesus overcame death. He can overcome anything else that's happening in the world. So let's expect something great from God during this Holy Week. Let's expect Jesus to move. Maybe God, maybe Jesus will do something great. Maybe Jesus will end the war in Europe and miraculously end things. And that would be amazing, wouldn't it? He can do it. Maybe he'll use our presence together to change lives and to impact people and to draw near to us closer than he's ever done before. Wouldn't that be great? Maybe he'll do something that we can't even imagine right now. But we'll look back and say, boy, that was unexpected. Boy, I'm glad God showed up. That would be the best thing, I think. So let's pray right now that God will move in power this Easter. God will not disappoint us. If we can just begin to expect the right things. If we can begin to expect for him to do what he does on his timeline, he will show up and he will come through. It's up to us to give up whatever preconceived notions we have of what Jesus can and will do and give it all to him and let him do what he's going to do. And then allow ourselves to be spent in service 
of spreading the good news about a Savior who's coming to town this week to save. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's expect Jesus to show up this holy week and let him do whatever he's going to do. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so excited this week. We're so excited to worship for Holy Week without an asterisk. To show up fully present for you. And we know, we expect that you'll show up fully present for us. God, give us grace. Give us the grace to see what you're doing and to participate in it with you. Give us the grace to have high expectations, but then to let you do what you're going to do in your time. Be near to us this week, Father. Draw near to us in a way that only you can. And we'll worship you the whole way. In your name I pray, amen.